Um, it's been a great morning so far, and it's, um, I'm really excited to continue in this series that we're in in Mark. How many people have been enjoying the Mark series? Mark series. So if you haven't been with us before, we are in the middle of going verse by verse through the book of Mark. And we have, in seven weeks, made it to Mark 1, verse 35. And it's really awesome, though, because I love that we get a chance and an opportunity to dive in deep. To dive in deep. And really what we've been hearing from community groups and a bunch of people who have been regular in studying this word and going home and studying it on their own and spending hours and hours talking with their community groups about this, they are seeing life transformation. They have been getting revelation from God and it's been transforming their lives, deepening friendships. And so we really believe that for this whole church, every single person in this room, as we dig into the word, God will do something in and through you. So um, we're going to pick up here Mark 1, 35 through 39. And if you weren't with us last year or last week, Caleb spoke to us about just kind of the pinnacle of Jesus' ministry. We are seeing him like heal people left and right and cast out demons and all this stuff is happening. He's teaching lessons and, and, and just and teaching people about the gospel and and proclaiming the gospel, the kingdom of God, and all that good stuff. Um, again, go back to the last few messages um, online, either on our podcast, iTunes, Spotify, or even on our website, projectshow.com. But we're going to continue in Mark 1, verse 35. And it's a pretty interesting moment because Jesus is really busy doing ministry. And here he comes to verse 35, ready to get away and pray. And find some solitude. And so as we continue in this, um, in this, I do want you to know that this is about the purpose that God has for Jesus. He is pursuing the purpose and the call of God that he has to preach the good news and preach the gospel. Every single person in this room has a purpose. And God has called every single one of you to fulfill that purpose. So we're going to talk about that. But... On a side note, we have this event called Fashion coming up. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I couldn't go further in this message without inviting women one more time to this event because it is all about fulfilling your purpose. The, the whole event and this word fashioned revolves around Psalm 139, verse 16. And it says, all my days fashioned for him before any of them were yet to be. So that's just saying that God has chosen you on purpose, he created you with purpose, and he created you for a purpose. And so ladies, I encourage you, you don't want to miss this. It's not because we want more people in the seats, it's because we want God to do something in your heart, and we want you to be on mission and to accomplish the purpose and allow his fulfillment to happen in your life through the purpose he has set out for you. So ladies, don't forget to do that. It's in a couple weeks. Please, please, please. It's going to be a life-changing time, okay? So excited for you to um, be a part of that. But okay, for everybody in the room, let's hop in. Mark 1, verses 35 through 39. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he, Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, God, that 
we have Jesus' example to follow. And God, may we leave here emboldened to follow his ways and to take on his example, God, in the way that he prayed and the way that he fulfilled your purpose and did everything he could to do what you have called him to do. So God, may we in this room find fulfillment um, in our purpose and may you reveal that to us, speak to every single one of our hearts. May we be closer to you today than we were yesterday. We love you in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So here we see Jesus on mission, trying to fulfill the purpose that God has for him. Yet we see, I think in these four verses, what it takes to fulfill the, the purpose that God has for us. It's going to require something of us to fulfill the purpose that God has for us. And here's the thing. <clears throat> the second um, most sold book in the world is A Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And what I found is that everybody is searching for their purpose. How many people have asked that question at some juncture point in their life when they were going to college, when they were out of college, when they were getting married, when they were about to have a baby? How many people are you like, oh, what's my purpose? How many have asked that question, right? And I believe that everybody is searching for their purpose, but not many people are actually preparing for their purpose. So here's the thing. Fulfilling your, your purpose will require you to prepare for it. Some of us need to stop searching for it because I have a spoiler alert for you this morning. Spoiler alert for every single one in this room who has asked, what is my purpose here on earth? I know what it is and I have it. Okay, so you're going you're gonna to post this part of my clip on your Instagram and you're going to send them to this message because everyone needs to know what their purpose is, right? Okay, what is my purpose? What is your purpose? Our purpose is to worship the one true God. Our purpose is to serve him. And so we don't have to be searching for a purpose anymore. We have to get to the place where we're in preparation mode. It's time to prepare for our, for our purpose. And Jesus shows that he does that in verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. How many people are morning people in this room? Morning people? Somebody said, nope. <laughs> Yeah, and um, Caleb and I often talk about this. Who's more spiritual, the person who wakes up early in the morning or the person who walks in the cool of the night with Jesus? You know, how many, I know some of you late people, you know, like that. But Caleb and I kind of differ on that. Although he's in his older years becoming more of a morning person. He actually is in his older years, 37 years old. <laughs> but but I, I have been doing this for a, few, for a few years now, waking up at 5 a.m. And there's this book, actually, you can look it up. It's called The 5 a.m. Club. And The 5 a.m. Club talks about how in, if you wake up at 5 a.m. for a year, you add almost two weeks to your life. And all the productive achiever people in the room are like, oh, yes, right? There's something about it. I am an achiever. And it's not just because I'm Asian. I just think that's how I'm wired. But... Please don't be offended by that. Take, take that out. <laughs> but here's the thing. I love, like, I love my early mornings. There's something about it when I get out of the gym and it's still dark. I am winning at life. I come home and there, everyone's still sleeping. I'm like, I'm getting so much done. All these people are still sleeping. I am winning. They are losing. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, not my children. Anyways. But no, there's something about it. And then I found myself being like, man, how much can I cram in to the first couple hours of my day? How much can I do? Oh, my gosh, I am so productive. And then I realized that I was trying to cram in so many more things. And I realized that, it, you know, there's just seriously, seriously not enough time in the day. 
You can imagine, you can try to cram so many things into your morning and it quickly became like this thing that I couldn't accomplish anymore. And I realized that my 5 a.m. could not just, shouldn't just be a time where I check things off my list. It has to be a time where I align myself and my mind with what God wants me to do for the day. I mean, here's the thing. So many people tie their purpose to what they can accomplish and how productive they can be and how many opportunities they can take and how many opportunities they can maximize. But what I believe God is telling us is that when we wake up in the morning or walk in the cool of the night and align ourselves with Jesus, that is aligning ourselves with his purpose and making ourselves have the mindset that he wants us to have in order to accomplish the purpose. We need to stop and Divorce the thought of what we do and what our job is with our purpose. Our purpose is to worship him. Our purpose is to give him glory in everything that we do. Our purpose is to make our lives a spiritual act of worship. Here's the thing. There's so many people who like love complaining about their job. And complaining about your job is just a distraction from fulfilling the purpose that God has for you in that job. Some of us are waiting for the perfect job, so we just sit on our butts and we don't even fill out a resume because we think that the job is just going to fall into our lap. And that perfect job that God wants for us that's going to fulfill our purpose is what we're waiting for. And God said, no, work. It blesses me. Go get, you know, fill out an application. Just do it. Okay, so that was quiet. Everyone was quiet, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. That's a distraction from fulfilling the purpose of God on your life. Here's the thing, Proverbs 19:21. many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Let's stop complaining, let's get to work, let's do all the things to be productive, let's maximize our opportunities, but if we're not aligning ourselves with Holy Spirit, aligning ourselves and magnifying him over the rest of our plans, all those other plans are going to fall into the wayside, but the plan of the Lord will stand. Let's prepare for our purpose. Let's align ourselves, whatever time of day it is, align ourselves and pray in the way that Jesus prayed and said, I don't care if I'm not maximizing the opportunity that people are wanting me. I, I could have, he could have healed way more people. He could have cast out way more demons. Everybody was looking for him, but did he maximize the opportunity? No, he said, I'm going to get away and be with my father. I'm going to get away and I'm going to pray. I'm going to align my thoughts with the will of my father and the business of my father. Here's the thing. We have a new building, right? Caleb told you about it. Come in and it's going to open here in the fall and we're so excited. And, you know, there's so many plans coming through our emails. We know what it's going to look like. We picked out some paint color. We know what our fixtures are going to look like. We're looking for the sliding glass door for our office. And please let there be a sliding glass door, enough money for that. I want that door. And there's so many things. And, like, that couch I really want and that, and that tabletop that I really want, it's going to look really great. And that coffee shop is going to look so good. There's so many plans. But you know what's coming up on March 31st? You're like, are you just going to plug every event? Yeah, I am absolutely going to plug every event because the reason why we have events is because it aligns with the purpose that God has for this church. And our calling and our mandate is to pray. And prayer is our power. That is our core value. So I'm going to invite you out to pray. We have got to get to the place where our prayer meetings are more important than our Sunday mornings. We have got to get on our faces and pray because many are the plans of a man's heart. Many are the plans, but the plans of the Lord will stand. If we don't know, if we don't seek God for those plans, then what are we even doing? 
Let's pray. Let's pray. So I'm going to invite you out. Revival, we're going to call out on that Sunday. There's a plan to move into that building, but if we don't bathe that place in prayer, if we don't unite our hearts as a church in prayer, then we're not going to know the plans that God has for us. And so we're going to seek him, we're going to humble ourselves, and we're going to be on our faces. We are going to cry out to him and trust him to reveal his plans for Sacramento through Project Church. You got to be there? I better see every single one of you there. I'm telling you, prayer is our power. We've got to prepare for the purpose that God has for us in our own lives as a church. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. So fulfilling your purpose requires, number one, preparation for your purpose. And number two, prioritization of prayer. You said, Chrissy, but isn't preparation of your purpose prayer? Like, yes. Haha, <laughs> tricked you. Two points in a row. Prayer. <laughs> prayer. Yes, it's the same thing. Prioritization of prayer. I need to get it in. Because, you know, three points is better than two, okay? <laughs> so prayer, prayer. We have got to prioritize prayer. Listen to what Jesus did throughout the Gospels. Matthew 14, 23 says this. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to what? Pray. Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to, play, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to the solitary place where he, Luke 6.12, oh, Luke 5.16, but Jesus, after often, withdrew to lonely places, and Luke 6.12, one of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to, and spent the night, what? To God. And Luke 18.1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always, always, always and not give up. Can you see how Jesus prioritized prayer? He prioritized prayer. God, you know, some scholars say that Jesus was in, he was coming off of the busiest day of his life. He had spent all night healing and casting out demons out of the whole city, right? The whole city. And what does he do? What does he do? He prays. He prays. And here's the thing. And Simon, it says this in verse 36, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and they said, everyone is looking for you. Almost in a panic, like, where are you? Jesus, where are you? There's so many people that need to be prayed for. And there's so many people who are sealed in bondage and, and are demon-possessed. But then Jesus said, no, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to let the weight of people's approval and what their needs are come above the business that I have with my father. And it is to be with him and to be in his presence and to know him and to know his thoughts. He prioritizes the presence of God over everything else. C.S. Lewis says this, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel, is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. When we get quiet, when we get in solitude with God, and when we take the time out of our busy lives to quiet our spirit and to focus on God our Father, God our Father, everything changes. Everything changes. Jesus makes it his supreme priority. And when we pray, when we pray, we come to know the living God. 
here's the thing. So many of us think that prayer is about what we can get. It's for us to, for, for him to forgive us. And guess what? He's so gracious. He's so amazing. He does forgive us. And he does give us things and things that we need. And he does give us answers. But we read in Matthew, when Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, he starts by saying, our Father, which art in heaven. You know, this is really, really just life-changing moment. Life-praying moment. This is this praying moment that Jesus says, our Father, which art in heaven, was totally a huge paradigm shift for anybody who was listening to him, all of his disciples. All his disciples knew to pray to God, God the one, his Jehovah Jireh, the God the one who provides, God the one who's in control, God who is sovereign. They knew him as God, 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 God. But then Jesus comes along and says, Abba, Father. Jesus was so concerning, concerned with knowing the heart of God, the heart of his Father. Here's the thing, what happened in Mark 1.11, after he was baptized, go, again, go back to the sermons, but in Mark 1.11, he got baptized, and when he comes out of the water and he stands, he hears the voice of heaven, the voice of God, and it says this, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. So everything that fueled Jesus' ministry, every ounce of energy that he had was fueled with the knowledge that he was the son of God. That he was pleased. He was pleasing to his father. What would happen if in the mornings we woke up, his mercies are new every morning, right? We wake up and we hear, Monica, my beloved Monica, with you I am well pleased. Brenda, with you, I am well pleased. Jason, with you, I am well pleased. That would change the trajectory of our day. That would change the way we communicate with people. That would change our priorities. That would change the way we interact with people at work. That would change our energy level. That would change our interactions with family members. That would change our interactions with the barista. It would change everything if we were to figure out and to come into that understanding that he is pleased with us. Through Jesus, when we accept him, we become sons and daughters of Abba Father. And the goal of our prayers is to get to know the heart of our Father. We get that privilege, joining the family of God, accepting Jesus into our life, gives us that privilege to be adopted into his family and to understand that he is pleased with us through Jesus. It changes everything. The essence of prayer is not just that we're getting forgiven, not just that we get stuff, but we get the understanding that he delights in us and we get to know our Father's heart. I love that. I love that. We need to start seeing ourselves as sons and daughters of the Most High God and make prayer the foundation of our life. Prayer isn't just about what we can get from God. It's how we can get God, more of him, more of his character, more of his intent, more of his purpose, more of his, what he intends for us into our life. 
You don't need power. You don't need control. You don't need approval. There's no more striving. There's no significance that you need from another person or from a job or from a label or from a title. You don't need anything. Jesus and having God as our Father changes and frees us up. It frees us. We're not in bondage to what people want from us or expectations that people have of us. We're not in bondage to, to having to achieve a certain thing or be a certain person. We're free to be a son and daughter of Christ and be on mission and be about his business. And when we pray, we understand what that business is, what it looks like for us, what it looks like for Monica at WebConnect, what it looks like for Michelle at school, what it looks like for me at Project Church, what it looks like for all these people who are working in all different areas. But we need to know the heart of the Father. And the only way we can know the heart of the Father as a son and daughter of the Most High God is through prayer. It's through prayer. And so I implore you, let's prioritize prayer. If you want the fulfillment of God's purpose in your life, prioritize prayer. And number three, preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel, fulfilling your purpose requires preaching the gospel. It says this in verse 38. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. That is why God, Jesus, came to this earth and why he got done, when he got done praying, he came out so that he could preach. That is what his call is. And he went throughout all Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Preaching the gospel. We are called to preach the gospel. Jesus called us to preach the gospel. And you know what? Project Church mission and vision is to lead all people to life and freedom in Jesus. You know what the gospel does? It gives life and freedom to Jesus. It is our calling. It is our mandate. It is a matter of obedience that we, we preach the gospel. We're called to preach the gospel. And here's the thing about preaching the gospel. It's not just about telling people that they're loved or telling them that God loves them. <clears throat> Let me tell you real quick about this organization that I was a part of right out of college. Helped start it with one of my buddies. I, he's been here before, Nate. Um, but we started an organization called Dusty Feet. And we are very concerned with um, helping some street children in Kenya in one of the most impoverished, impoverished slum of Nairobi help them get fed with food and clothing, and it was, you know, it was our life's mission. And there was a point in the ministry where I, embarrassingly enough, would say that I thought that I was better than other missionaries, all those missionaries who um, went overseas just to tell people about Jesus. And I was like, we're actually meeting needs. We're actually meeting and feeding them and clothing them, and, you know, we're, we're providing jobs so that they can help themselves. And, and you know what? And that's all good, and I think that missions organizations need to do that. Like, we need to meet the physical and emotional needs. But there's a point where I, embarrassingly enough, say, said, I was like, some of these people are just saying, Jesus, they're just trying to proselytize, however you say that word. <laughs> I always felt but, but honestly, there came a point where I was like, I love these people more because I want to meet their actual needs. Well, guess what? Spiritual needs are the most important needs. <laughs> it's the most important need because you know why? It's a matter of eternity for these individuals. And yes, 
physical, you know, we need to come at it in a holistic approach. Yes, we need to meet physical needs and we need to meet emotional needs and, you know, psychological needs and mental needs, all those needs, but spiritual needs are very important. It's a matter of eternity and sharing the gospel will bring people their fulfillment of their spiritual need. Preaching the gospel is necessary. So we did come to a point where we were like, man, we got to connect to churches. As, as a nonprofit, we needed to connect to churches and get these people whose needs are being met physically and, and, and mentally and socially. We need to get them to churches so that their spiritual needs are found. But it was a progression that I had to go to. And I think some of us in this room are going, to, going through that progression. Because sometimes we're like, ah. I love Project Church, and I love love, and God is love, you know. <laughs> and it's like, it's, that, that's like, that's the gospel, and that's enough for us sometimes. But sometimes I think that we hide behind God's love so we don't have to share the gospel. Here's the thing. When it says the gospel in Mark 14, 15, Jesus says this, the time is fulfilled. The first words out of his mouth that we see uttered in the Bible, he says this. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. Let me remind you that preaching doesn't just require meeting needs through our good deeds. It means preaching the gospel and telling the truth that there are sinful people and we are all sinful people and God frees us. That's the good news. God frees us through Jesus by taking on that sin. But if we will never acknowledge the sins, then we're not preaching the gospel. Here's the thing. I think sometimes we get to a point where we are really good at prioritizing right standing with a sinner between me and our sinner. Instead of prioritizing prayer for the right standing with their father. We've got to pray that people get in right standing. But if we never acknowledge that there's sin, then we're not preaching the gospel. Some of us actually get to a place where it's a little self-righteous and we're like, I love them so much. You know, I love them. And, you know, I just, I don't want to go there with them. They need to know how much I love them. Well, you know what? God loves us so much that he doesn't let us stay in the same place that we are. He doesn't let us stay in the same place of sin. He, he kindly re- leads us to repentance. And so through love, we are going to kindly share with the, our loved ones that their eternity is at stake. Do we ever get to a place where we think that we love people more than God? I'm afraid this generation does. Sometimes we say, wow, we are such loving people. We are loving, 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 loving. And those people who are like telling me to repent, not loving. Guess what? God, our Father, is love. And he told Jesus to spread the gospel. And Jesus says, repent and share the good news. Everyone's way more quiet now, okay? I'm just reminding us that we're not more loving than God. God loves us so much and so much that he will not let us stay the same place that we are. And now we just have to get to the place where we are kind, yes. Where we have the fruit of the spirit, yes. Because if we are sharing the gospel without the fruit of the spirit, then I don't believe that we're actually sharing the gospel well. So please be kind. Please be gentle. Please be loving. Please be honest. Please be truthful. Please, please, please be patient. If we're not carrying the fruit of the spirit, then we are not representing Christ well. 
So we just need to get to a place where we're saying, God, what, we, we will be a conduit of whatever you want to do in my loved one's life. And we have got to be connected to the Father, aligned with him so we can hear from him when to say, what to say, and how to say something. Amen? And here's the thing. You guys are all thinking about the people and the sinners that you love right now. But I want you to start evaluating yourself. You know when I prepared this message Sometimes preparing for messages can kind of stink because you're like, what do I need to repent of? Here's the thing. What we read about later on in that last verse is that, and he went throughout all Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. We got to preach the gospel, but we got to preach the gospel with power. And if there is unrepentance in our heart, if we have not come to a place where we've taken out the sin and acknowledged some sin and asked for forgiveness for it, then I'm telling you right now, we are not going to walk with the same power and authority that God intended us to walk in. So we have got to understand that the gospel isn't for our unsaved friends. The gospel isn't for that friend who's struggling with that sin. The gospel is for all. The gospel is for me. The gospel is for you. The gospel is for the pastor. The gospel is for the sound guy. The gospel is for the greeter. The gospel is for the person who came here for the first time. The gospel is for all. We have all got to pray and pray and, and ask God for a revival of repentance among his people. Because when people repent, God changes things. That's when the gospel is activated. We got to trust them for it. We got to believe for it. And we got to pray for it, church. Do you guys want to see the fulfillment of God's purpose in your life? Do you want to see the fulfillment of God's purpose through Project Church? Then let's get to the place when we're on our knees and we're postured to say, God, I know I need you. I acknowledge you. I believe you. Now I confess my sins. Confess my sins to you. I confess my sins to my neighbors. And I say, God, change me from the inside out. There's got to be a revival of repentance in this place. We've got to acknowledge what God is wanting to do in our hearts. And sometimes that means acknowledging sin. But we can do it in love, right? We can do it in love. So I just wanna, I just wanna take a moment to pray for some people in here who, I, I, again, I had to do some self-evaluation myself. <laughs> self-evaluation myself. I had to do some self-evaluation. What sins are in my life that are keeping me from walking in the power and authority that God wants me to walk in? Because I want to cast out demons, not for my name, but for Jesus' name. I want to see people healed. I want to have words of knowledge. I want to I, I want to speak prophetically over people. That's when things change, when we can actually operate in the power and authority, and we can't be afraid any longer of the name of Jesus. And some of us are saying, I, I don't. I come to church every week, and, and I love everybody. But are we preaching the gospel, church? Are we sharing the gospel, and are we walking it out in our own lives? I'm telling you, Sacramento will change. Sacram our own lives will change. Our families will change. Our legacies and our lineages will change when we come into a place of accepting and receiving the gospel, acknowledging our sins and repenting of them, and asking Jesus into our lives. So would you bow your heads in this place?